Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, we've been trekking through God's attributes via the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And let me just pause to make a little advertisement for that. If you're struggling to make sense of the Bible, Google uh, the Shorter Catechism and look over the first 38 questions and you'll actually have an overview of the entire Bible. You can see all the drama of redemptive history unfold through the lens of creation, fall, redemption, glory. And immediately you can have answers to questions like, who is God? What are the decrees of God? What are the works of God's providence? What is sin? What is the redeem, who is the redeemer of God's elect? What is effectual calling? What is justification? What benefits do believers receive from Christ at the resurrection? Uh, we, did, we did a show here uh, a couple weeks ago on the, the, the value and benefit of, of catechism. And catechisms are just a wonderful resource that helps you to understand what the Bible teaches. So maybe check that out. Uh, that being said, we're continuing to look at question four, which is, who is God? And the answer is, God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable, and is being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. And today, we are on that attribute of God's goodness. Now, here's where I think the rub is. That word good is so commonly used that most people don't even pause to ask themselves what does it mean for God to be good? Um, I, I did this in a Sunday school class here just a, a, a couple weeks ago, and I stopped and I said, what does good mean? And they were like crickets for like, <laughs> you know, 60 seconds. Um, so how, what does it mean for God to be good, brothers? And, and how is his goodness, and maybe just set this up, God's goodness is obviously different than his holiness and his righteousness. So what does this mean for God to be good? Well, let me go to the 100th Psalm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last verse of Psalm uh, 100, and one of, the, one of the most familiar psalms, it begins, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness and come into his presence with singing. But now I'm going to skip the last, to the last verse. Verse 5, for the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. And here you can see the goodness of God is linked to his steadfast love, uh, steadfast. The, the Hebrew word uh, is chesed. Uh, it means faithful love, uh, dependable love, covenant love. Uh, that God, God's goodness is expressed in his faithful love for his people, that he, the, the, the bond that he has to believers, uh, he will be faithful to that bond and he will love us. Some of the problem with it is that um, our language is more limited in some ways. So when we see the word good in, in Scripture, it actually can be a whole host of other words in the either the, the Hebrew or the Greek that it was written in. And so 
depending on where you find the word good in, in the scriptures, it may, might actually carry a different connotation to it. It, it could be the, the sense of morally, there's a moral aspect of it. it. It could be that God is good and that he makes something better. It, it, it's um, Sometimes goodness is, is then used in the, as the equivalent of, of kindness. Um, so it, it carries a whole host of meaning um, in the scriptures, um, and sometimes it's all of those kind of wrapped up in in one: um, God's kindness, God's his his moral goodness, if you will, his his making something better, his care for. So sometimes you'll you'll talk about his goodness towards creation. That's his mm-hmm. care of creation, his, mm-hmm. his care of what he has created. Mm-hmm. We're talking about God's essence, though, and when ultimately, um, and we don't really have. A, we don't have a word in our own vocabulary that can actually reach to the um, the heights of that essence. God is good; He's necessarily good, uh, and His His uh, goodness doesn't conform to some external standard. He is goodness, uh, essential goodness itself, and that means that all those other attributes that we've been talking about all those, uh, these weeks. Um, uh, th- they are also aspects of his goodness. Um, he can't do anything that is not good. Um, we're told that perfect goodness belongs to God alone. Remember when, uh, well, who was it, Nicodemus, Nick at night, comes to Jesus and he, he calls him good <laughs> That's teacher? That's a Shylin line. Yeah. <laughs> is it? Yeah. <laughs> I was doing that for a lot longer than Shylin's been alive. <laughs> I just told my age there. Anyway, um, Jesus says to him, "Why do you call me good? No one is good except God Himself." Um, so, we're, so anything that we think of as good is really only mirroring God's goodness. Uh, it, you know, so as you point out, pointed out, Russ, it could be part of His ethical attributes, His moral attribute as well. Mm-hmm. But He He communicates that goodness to us in different ways, you know, and and so we have these outward works that come to us. Um, you know, his goodness is extending to his creatures, his mm-hmm. creation and providence are effects of that goodness. Mm-hmm. So we see it, but sim- simply coming up with a definition, um, there's no one good but God. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, and, and this, once again, uh, and I know I've said this many times as we've been going over the attributes of God, it, it, it's a mistake to take our definition of goodness and then imagine that on a grand scale and say, that's the goodness of God. No, mm-hmm. uh, that, doing that is idolatry. It's taking our definitions and our, uh, our experience of something and, and, just, and just writing it on a grand scale, and that must be God. No, well, no. Allow God's word. Mm-hmm. God's word will tell mm-hmm. us what his goodness is. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the way it's defined, not by our experience. So Psalm 104, here's, here's what I would kind of offer you guys. Psalm 104 begins with um, the declaration that, uh, oh Lord, my God, you are very great. And great, uh, I think in this context, the way that I'm understanding Psalm 104 is like good on steroids. So that's like superlative good, you know? And then he goes on to show 
the rest in the rest of the psalm the evidences of God's goodness uh, by saying what God does on the earth. He talks about how God lays the beams of his chambers on the waters, how he sets the earth on its foundations, how he makes springs gush forth in the valleys, how he causes grass to grow, how he makes oil uh, for the face of man and bread to strengthen man's heart. And so all of these actions, what is God doing in all of these things? Um, I would argue um, that what he's doing is he's communicating the happiness of himself to creation. And this is actually the way in which Jonathan Edwards um, defined God's goodness. He says that God's goodness is simply his eternal disposition to communicate the happiness of himself to all beings. And other theologians said very similar things. W. Shedd said that God's goodness is his aiming to promote the welfare and happiness of the universe. The Puritan Stephen Charnock said the goodness of God is his inclination to deal well and bountifully with his creatures. And I actually think that all of these theologians, as great as they are, I th- I'm certain they got this from the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul, when he was witnessing to the people of Lystra in Acts 14, one of the last things he said to them was, listen, God did not leave himself without a witness, for he did good, there's the word, he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Now, I think that is so fascinating because there are times when the Apostle Paul uses the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man to witness to God and the need for man to to believe in God. But here he uses God's goodness and man's happiness to witness to lost people. Mm -hmm. What can we take away from that? Yeah, and uh, before we even go there, I just want to say you're saying that these theologians were echoing Paul. Paul's echoing Jesus. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, that that you know, your heavenly Father causes the rain to fall on the just and the, and the unjust, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and why? Because he's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's his his goodness actually is is very wide. It's it's broad. The scope of that goodness touches all of creation. So um, that's why the rain falls on the just and the unjust. It touches everything. Mm-hmm. Stephen Sharnock will say the goodness of God spills over into all his other attributes. All the acts of God are nothing but the outpouring of his goodness distinguished by various names. Just as the oceans of the world are really one body of water distinguished by several names depending upon what shore the waves touch. And this is where the the difficulty in trying to talk about God's goodness comes into play. Honestly, I think you would be hard-pressed to not find a page in the Bible that doesn't talk about the goodness of God. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. right. It touches so much. Um, and it comes into play in so many different ways. Um, and so that's why when you, you get to, to Sharnock and, and um, Edwards' definitions and, and how they say that uh, to communicate the happiness to him, of himself to all his beings, how is that communicated? Well, sometimes it's, it's communicated in, in how history plays out or in providence or his care of creation or his sending of good gifts. I mean, Phil talked mm-hmm. about and Jesus talking about it. I mean, in that same sermon that Phil referenced, Jesus said, the Father knows how to give good gifts mm-hmm. to his mm-hmm. children. Well, just mm-hmm. think about taste buds. <laughs> taste buds are an optional part of the human package. And God gave us taste buds so that certain foods and drinks could delight our senses. And those are meant to be windows mm-hmm. into God's desire. I mean, he could have made all food taste like cardboard. 
-hmm. He could have not even, he could have made us beings that didn't require food, but instead we experience the, the, the eating of food that tastes good to our mouths and then the satisfaction that comes through being full. Yeah, and right. well, and just looking around at creation, uh, just over the last uh, couple of days here in the Treasure Valley, we've seen some spectacular sunsets mm-hmm. and spectacular sunrises. And you, you give that a, a moment, second thought, it's all superfluous. You know, it didn't need to have all that brilliant color and, and the, uh, the, the contrast and the, just the breathtaking beauty. Uh, but God is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, God has made this world good and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then we have to actually bring that up a notch because his goodness is profoundly revealed. Not it, It's actually profoundly revealed far above creation because his goodness is seen in him redeeming men and women uh, to himself, bringing us to Christ, forgiving our sins, and that... God loves this sinful and rebellious um, world that's at enmity with him. It's his goodness that motivates him, you know, we, in fact, and, and also that motivates us to respond. I think in somewhere in Romans, it's, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, right. In his kindness, in his goodness, he actually discloses himself to us so that we begin to think his thoughts after him, so that we are regenerated in our minds so that we can we can worship him and come to him mm-hmm. in faith so his goodness actually you know we talk about these things about taste and and you know the five senses and all the other things but beyond that his goodness is superlatively great in what he's done to bring us to himself that's right yeah he gave us his son and real quick we we're talking about this off the air uh, John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Uh, Charnock pointed out that when people give gifts to other people, it's because they value that person more than the gift that they're giving. They're, they're, they're making a value. And in that verse, John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave, Charnock says here that, that God loved our eternal happiness more than he loved the earthly happiness of his son. Why? And that's, that's the mystery of the gospel, that he would ever love wretches like us. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We've been talking about the goodness of God. We hope to see you next time. If you go to ReformationBoise.com, you can listen to any of our past broadcasts. We'll see you next time.